Welcome to What's So Funny, a comedy podcast where we talk about some of the most influential and controversial comedy albums from the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh. Here's your host, Dave Schwenson. Hi, I'm Dave Schwenson. Welcome to What's So Funny. And today I'm joined by Kelly Thulis. Kelly, what's happening? Hi, Dave. I am just out there kind of doing the hustle for comedy. Anyway, we're here today to talk about the comedy team of Mike Nichols and Elaine May. That's right, known as Nichols and May. Unless you're really a comedy aficionado, is that a term? A historian, whatever. Mm -hmm. Nichols and May doesn't really... um, you know, they're not the big famous names from, like, stand-up comedy like we usually talk about. They were no. more into improv, sketch groups, writing. Absolutely. You probably—I know you've done a lot of improvisation. You've been with Second City and some of these troops. Mm-hmm, that's right. I got my start out at uh, the Second City Conservatory. It's where I got into comedy. They actually—in that program, they're taught as sort of the parents of comedy. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, they have that reputation. Yes, they're very important within the improv world for sort of formulating the way that they write sketches within Second City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very influential. The other world that they're sort of known for is the filmmaking world. If you are really into improv comedy or if you're really into film, you'll know them. If you're really into stand-up, you've missed them. Yes, yes. Well, that's a good point. I'm glad you made that point. Matter of fact, should we just get right into listening to some Nichols and May right now? Yeah, I think so. Kelly, you want to tell us about the album we're going to listen to here? Sure. The album that we'll be listening to today is excerpts from the Broadway presentation of An Evening with Nichols and May from 1960. It was actually a show, a sketch show that they had that was very interesting. They, The way that they formulated their sketches is that they would improvise a sketch over and over and over again until it formed into the permanent sketch that would end up in their show. So they never wrote anything down, and that's sort of what we're seeing. One show out of every performance they would improvise. I don't know what on this album was improvised, if anything. Well, we'll have to improvise like we know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm glad you brought that up, though. This is from their Broadway show. That's Mm -hmm. how popular they were in 1960. They had their own Broadway show, and it was like the hottest ticket in New York. Everyone had to see this. So this clip that we're going to be listening to, it's called Telephone. It's actually a longer clip. It's about eight minutes. So we're going to divide this up in chunks just because there's so much to talk about within it. Information. Uh, Operator, give me the number, please, of uh, George Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N, at 4411 Huguenot Walloon Drive. That is George Kaplan. Yes, that's right. That is Kaplan. Mm -hmm, Yes. That is K as in knife. (laughs) A as in aardvark. P as in pneumonia, <laughs> L as in luscious, A as in artwork again, N as in Newell Post, Kaplan. Uh, I, I think so, yes. <laughs> Just one moment, I will look that number up for you. Right, thank you very much. Uh, operator, if you could try to hurry a little bit. I'm, I am I looking know, the I number know, up I know. for you. <laughs> I, I don't mean to rush you at all. It's just that I'm uh, terrifically late, and I that thought if That number it... is listed in your directory. <laughs> Operator, there is no directory here, I swear to God. 
Will you please take a pencil yes. and write the number, yes. Darwin? I promise I definitely will, yes. All right, well, that was the first chunk we're going to listen to of Telephone from mm-hmm. Mike Nichols and Elaine May, who were just such a well-known comedy duo back mm-hmm. in the late 1950s, early 60s. Yes, actually, I think we missed bringing this up before, but this album actually won the Grammy in 1961. That's how wildly popular this particular album was. Oh, yeah. Nichols and May came out of the um, the Compass Players, yes. which was the name of their improvisational troupe. And improv is different than doing a, a sketch. They were making things up on the spot. Right. So one night in one of their shows, this just came out of absolutely nothing, just the air. They started making it up and going from there and working it over and over again in their shows until it it was perfected enough to be recorded in their Broadway album. Now, let me ask you this, Kelly, because I know you do a lot of improvisation. A lot of it's based on audience suggestions. Is that correct? When you go to a show, an Mm -hmm. improv show? Yes, that's correct. Lots of uh, audience suggestions. I'm not sure if at the time they were... They were grabbing those suggestions. I'm going to assume that they were because... Yeah, it's hard to trace the history of this. Yes. Because a lot of it is not written down. Right. <laughs> Nothing was written <laughs> they down. Did, they did shows and they were funny. It was hit and miss maybe sometimes. Yeah. Bring up a good point of them not writing anything down. They didn't even write down this album. So when they were on Broadway, the the tech, the lighting guys, they had to actually have the... They had to have it transcribed. They had someone bring someone in, record them rehearsing, and then transcribe it. That way they could get the lighting cues for it because they wrote (laughs) nothing down. And then that later on, that sort of transcription of it, Elaine saw it and saw it as a script, and it it sort of made her insecure, which led eventually— Well, didn't she read it and say, why does anyone think this is funny? Yeah, yeah, I did. (laughs) So with them, too, it was a lot of—and you don't pick this up on their album. You watch their clips on the videos and everything. A lot of it is facial expressions. Mm -hmm. Yes. Their timing, their delivery. And I'll be honest with you, just listening to this last clip of Telephone, it seems to me that could have been an inspiration for Lily Tomlin's famous kind of— character, the telephone operator from Laugh-In and Beyond. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking the same thing as we were listening, but I I wasn't sure on that, so I didn't want to say it. But yeah, I I would think it would have because it's such a similar vein there. Let's keep listening to this and uh, see how this telephone skit plays out. So far, Mike Nichols is trying to get a phone number from the telephone operator, so let's see what happens next. There is no directory here, I swear to God. Will you please take a pencil yes. and write the number yes. down? I promise I definitely will, yes. That number is Hello, Fairfax hello, Nyan. operator, hello, Information, hello, up, up, information. Up, up, operator, you collected my dime. Information is a free service, sir. When you hang up, your dime will be returned to yeah, you. Yeah, miss, listen, I, I, I know it's usually a free service. See, the thing is, in, in this case, I, I heard the dime, you know, hit all those other dimes. <laughs> See, I I know it's in there, and I wouldn't bother you about a dime operator. In this case, miss, it's my last dime. I have no change. My car has broken down, and I'm an hour late for a very important appointment. So you can see... Hello? Information. Oh, no. (laughs) Miss, please return my dime. Sir, I cannot return your dime to you until you hang up. And when you hang up, your dime will be returned to you. No, it won't. Operator, listen to me. I know that sound. I've heard it all my life. (laughs) That dime is in there. Information cannot argue with a closed mind. (laughs) Why don't you try hanging up? Because... 
I can't take the chance. I'll, I'll lose the dime. I'll lose you. Look, miss, can, can I go over your head? Is there someone else I can speak to? A human? You wish to speak to a human? Yes. About your alleged dime? <laughs> it's a real dime. Just one moment. I will connect you with the information supervisor. Oh, thank you very much. Hello, miss. Operator. Hello. Information. Uh, listen, there, there's no chance that you would, say, jostle something with your elbow and just cut me off completely. We do not work with our elbows, sir. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. Information supervisor, can I help you? Uh... I, I sincerely hope so. Yes, sir. Uh, just a minute ago, operator... Supervisor. Oh, I'm uh, information supervisor. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. Uh, just a minute ago, one of your girls inadvertently collected my last dime. And you see, oh, as no, I sir, explained no, I to I her... See, sir, no, information doesn't yeah. charge a dime. Yeah, no, look, miss, I've already no, you gone no, through... When you hang up, you see, your no, dime will other, be returned to you. The other you girl... And, information uh, is a completely uh, free service. Not tonight! <laughs> now, miss, please try to understand what I'm saying to you. I'm, I'm speaking as one human being to another. Forget that you're an operator. I'm a supervisor. Mm. <laughs> all right, fine. Supervisor. All right, supervisor. Bell Telephone has stolen my last dime. That's what it comes well, down to. And Well, you stole it. I put it in the telephone <laughs> I mean, and you took minute, it away. You know. It's, it's I mean, my... Bell it's, Telephone course, well, wouldn't miss, steal your dime. Is, they, you know. they have no, stolen my dime. I mean, Bell Telephone dime. doesn't yeah. need I, your I, dime. Well, I know. That's <laughs> exactly my point. Bell Telephone gets millions of dimes yeah. every day. They wouldn't yeah. pick right. out your right. dime well, to steal, you they know. They stole it. Damn it, they stole it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. Well, not miss, look, I mean, I'm... you mean to sit there and tell me that you think that the Bell Telephone Company has stolen your dime? That is what I've been telling you now for 20 minutes. <laughs> I'll be very happy to return your dime to you. You will? Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Not at all. What is your name and address? <laughs> miss? Yes? You're, uh, you're going to send me a whole lot of stamps, aren't you? Yeah, yes, yes, we are. I knew trying. it. Look, I've received, I've received stamps from you people in the past, and it's a swell surprise. I need the dime now. Look, can I, can I go over your head? Is there someone else I can speak to? Well, I could connect you with the managing supervisor, Miss Jones. Yes. Who wouldn't be able to help you either. <laughs> if you run and give it a whirl. Miss Jones, please. And please hurry. Just hold the line. You know, there was nothing on television like them. Mm -mm. Okay, Nichols and May were different. Like I said, they were not like the comedy teams audiences had been used to. Right. So... And this was about 15 years before Saturday Night Live came out. And I look at the original Saturday Night Live, not ready for primetime players. Mm -hmm. And they did come out. A lot of them came out of Second City, okay, the improvisational troops. So it was a combination of sketch comedy, but improvisation. You always had that danger. You never knew what was going right, to happen. Right, And you would always laugh when people broke, when people were laughing, you know? And so I think that's what's sort of, you see that within this album. You hear Elaine just laughing along with the audience at the things that she and, and Mike are saying. They actually, they would break so often that Mike would actually just say to Elaine, oh, just go on without me. I've got to case the giggles here. And so then she would actually go on, improvise for a little bit until he could calm back down and go back into the sketch. And that's how they kind of 
got back into it. Well, that's so interesting, and it's so real, and that's what good comedy is. Everybody is involved in that fun, where I think before that, sketch comedy was very clean, very um, perfected before they went on the stage. So you, I don't think you would ever have heard the comedian laughing along at what they're saying as they're saying it. Like, Well, the one thing that changed, I know, I remember reading when they first met each other, They now they went to the University of Chicago, Mike yeah. Nichols and Elaine May, they didn't know each other, and I don't think they liked each other at first. He always felt she looked at him with, uh, like, suspicion or something. Right, that's right. Well, the way he worded it is that he remembers seeing her around the theater, and he felt that she always kind of looked at him with disdain, and so he never approached her. And whereas she just went out and said, no, I never even... Never even looked at him yeah, at all. Him. I didn't even notice him. <laughs> but there's a story. They finally got together at a train station. Yes, they saw um, it a couple years later. They both happened to be at a train station. Yeah, and they sat down and really started improvising right there. Yeah, for nobody, just there. Yeah, it turned into like a, a Russian spy kind of bit, and neither one remembered it later exactly what they said, but that's kind of how they knew they could work together. And then they went on, you know, their histories with the Compass Players— Okay, started Chicago, went to St. Louis, became Second City eventually. That was the seeds of Second City. Yep. And the two of them went to New York. And, you know, their success was pretty fast. It was. It was very fast. Well, this album sort of launched them, and then, and they, like I said, they won the Grammy, and then they disbanded right afterwards. Yeah, so, they were only together for a few years. Yeah, yeah. It was a very quick rise of stardom and very quick departure. I'm glad you brought up the SNL, though, because in that in that sketch, they um, you could hear Elaine giggling, and that's something that I think was definite roots of SNL right there. Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah I look at, when I listen to them, you know, there was nothing on television like them. A lot of the things that they did, it was about human connection. I think we'll hear that as we continue to listen to the album. It was all about just human connections. And so I think the thing that makes this so funny is that you have a human who's dealing with someone who is not behaving like a human. Right. And so what they talked about in Second City was that every sketch you come up with is a game, and everything you do, there is some sort of game to it. So right here we have the game is, you know, Mike's character is just trying to get some real information. He's just trying to get, you know, his dime back, or, yeah, nickel yeah. dime back. <laughs> yeah, is Mike Nichols dime, getting his yes. dime. <laughs> That's confusing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but he's just trying to get his dime back, and right now he's sort of dealing with this robotic human who's just doing her job. And so that's sort of the game that's being built upon here. Well, that's really interesting. I feel I've been learning something here, Kelly. That's great. Let's find out what happens. Let's go to the second part of this clip. Telephone by Mike Nichols and Elaine May. (sighs) Managing Supervisor Miss Jones, can I help you? Oh, Miss Jones. (laughs) I'm so glad I finally got a hold of you. What is it, sir? Miss Jones... This is my story. Yes, yes, I'm here. Oh. <laughs> Miss Jones, a, a long time ago, yes. one of your operators inadvertently collected my last dime. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> you see, as, as yes. I explained to her, yes. my... I'm sorry, Miss Jones. I don't usually do this. No, sir, you go ahead and cry. Thank you. No, Bell Telephone understands. You're very kind. No, you've lost your dime. No, she took it and I have to have it back. <laughs> well, of 
course you do, sir. And Bell Telephone will be very happy to give you a free call for that dime. Oh, Miss Jones. Yes, sir. If, if this is true, I'll never forget you as long as I live. Well, it's true. Oh, thank you, thank oh, no, you, thank no, you, no, Miss no, Jones. No, thank no. you. Our pleasure to serve you. Thank you. You just give me the number you're calling. <laughs> Miss Jones. Yes, sir. Uh, you're dealing here with an ass. Uh, you see, uh, she took the dime before I ever got the number. Look, we'll forget it. I'll lose my job. Sir, That's sir, all. There's, there's, no there's, no, there's no need to take that attitude. No? Not at all. You can simply give me the name of the party you're oh. calling. I can look that number up for Grand. you. Grand. <laughs> the name is uh, George Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N, is in Newell Post. Yeah. <laughs> One moment. Yes. Hello, sir. Yes, I have yes, Miss Jones. For you. Yes. That number is Fairfax 919975. 1975. Tell me what to do. Hold on to your receiver. Right, check, right. Until you right. hear the dial wait, tone. Wait for the dial tone. Then dial your number, Dials sir. I ordinarily you have a free would. call. Thank you, Miss Jones. I'll never forget you. This is a recording. You have dialed a wrong exchange. <laughs> Mike Nichols and Elaine May. You can just hear how much fun they're having working together. Yeah, and how we can relate to it, because things really haven't changed that much, have they? <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. I mean, maybe we don't have the uh, telephone operator, per se, but we've all certainly been on the phone with some sort of service trying yeah. to fight for over... Whatever it is. And then having to argue our way through an answering loop. And, you know, that's the great thing about comedy. Because even though we're talking about um, humor from the late 1950s, early 60s, it really is like a time capsule. Mm -hmm. You know, really go back to see what it was really like for their generation. Hey, music fans. What do Peter Gabriel, The Who, Stevie Wonder, and 90s hip-hop group Third Base have in common? Oh, geez, Kelly. I don't know. They're featured in a podcast by Evergreen Podcast called Riffs on Riffs. Riffs on Riffs is a podcast that studies sampling in popular music. Hosts Joe Watson and Toby Broswell connect the musical dots between legendary tracks and the often not-so-well-known songs they've sampled. It's interesting to see how much changes and how much doesn't change. <laughs> so one of the things, as I mentioned before, the way that they wrote these sketches was having a game in mind. Every sketch has a game. Yes. So you've got Mike Nichols up against a robot, and you sort of get that eventually, as all the games and sketches go, that you have to go somewhere with it. You've got to have some sort of, you know, switch. It's just like good theater storytelling. So well, anyways, you have like an obstacle in there. Yeah. You have like yeah, the got, setup and right, it's, it's like good storytelling. Exactly. Exactly. So the, you feel the game switch right when you've got the operator saying, you know, I can't deal with a closed mind or information can't argue with a closed mind. So you, you feel that like in information sense, he's being the robotic one. I know that feeling. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so then from there, it kind of evolves. The next person's a little more human, and then finally gets to the last person where she's very human, very understanding. I think she does a great job at, at being over the top, like, my God, they stole your dime. And it's very, you know, hilarious, but you still need that payoff yes. of the game of him dealing with a robot. And you just wait for it the entire time when you're listening to that, you know, okay. 
okay, where is it going? Where is it going? And then it hits on that last, like he dial, finally dials that number and he gets a, you know, you've dialed the wrong number, kind of robot. Yeah, the conclusion. It's like mm-hmm. good storytelling, the beginning, the middle, and the end. Yeah, absolutely. You can see why they ended up going into film. They both ended up going into theater and film. Yes. It's because they just, at their core, they're storytellers. But I'm always interested in the journey a lot of these performers make comedians. And with Nichols and May, we said we mentioned earlier that success happened fairly quickly for them. Mm-hmm. The two went to New York City after the Compass Players sort of went out of business in St. Louis. They, they were shut down. And um, they had a connection for an agent. Jack Rollins was a big agent. I don't know how they had a phone number, so they called him up. They wound up doing an audition for him. I think it was in the Russian Tea Room. Yeah, they met for lunch, and then uh, he liked them and and asked them to come audition for him. Yes, and and they did, and he enjoyed it more, and he started getting them work right away. They were in the village in New York City opening shows for Mort Saul Mm -hmm. at the Village Vanguard. I know they uh, auditioned at the Blue Angel, which was a big club in New York City. I mean, that's where everyone went to be seen. And I'm pretty sure they had Lenny Bruce opening for them. Yes, they did. I don't know which club, but Lenny Bruce did open for them. It's it's interesting how much they all were connected. Yes. All the comedians of this time, they all interacted with each I other. I find that fascinating. And the ones we just mentioned, Mort Saul, Lenny Bruce, mm-hmm. Nichols and May, they were doing something very, very different. This was extremely different. And it was down with the, uh, the younger generation. They were all college age kids at the time. They were in their late 20s when this happened. So I think they disbanded before they were even 30. So oh, yeah. They were very young. Actually, Shelley Berman was in the Compass Players, too, with them. Oh, yeah. So we have him coming up on an episode on of What's episodes. So Funny. Yeah. They just, they all were interconnected. Well, let's move on to our next clip from Mike Nichols and Elaine May. This one is called Disc Jockey. This is a scene about name dropping in show business. You've heard the kind of thing. It goes roughly like this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is it. Jack Ego broadcasting from the Tip Top Lounge atop New York City's beautiful Ansonia Hotel. Uh, we're, uh, we're very, very lucky to have with us tonight, sitting right here next to me, lovely Miss Barbara Musk, who is in town. Uh, Barbara's uh, publicizing her latest motion picture, Two Gals in Paris. How are you, Barbara? I'm fine. Sweetheart, I understand from the Pope that you just finished a movie. <laughs> He just can't keep a secret. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, but really, I'm really glad that you brought up the movie, Jack, because that's why I'm on the show. (laughs) 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 No, my latest motion picture is a real great Technicolor musical extravaganza called Two Gals in Paris, Uh and it is the life story of Gertrude Stein. (laughs) (laughs) How about that? How about that? Tell me, you know, it's funny, it's a very funny thing, honey, that you should mention it. Uh, Gertie was a very, very dear friend of mine, Uh, a swell gal. They don't make them like that anymore. Uh, What what do you play in the picture, sweetheart? Well, uh... Jack, it's it's just like a real great break for me. Great. <laughs> because I mean, it, it's it's a real change of pace for me. Terrific. You know? uh-huh. I mean, I, I don't swim in this at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> just <laughs> really, no. Just um, lucky enough to get the part of Gertrude Stein. So. <laughs> uh huh. 
I'm, uh, I'm very surprised to hear that. I, I had heard Gertrude Stein was to be played by Spencer Tracy. <laughs> Only as a child. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, who, uh, tell me this, sweetheart. Who, who else is in the picture with you? Well, Jack, also with me in the picture, and really, seriously now, and... All kidding aside, doing just the greatest job is Sal Minio, uh -huh. who plays the part of my lover, Ernest Hemingway. How about play. that? How about that? Uh, tell me, honey, tell me this. Did you, did you get to see Papa? Why, Papa, ladies and gentlemen, is what his uh, very, very intimate friends call Hemingway. Did you get to see him? I tell you why I ask. We've all been uh, very, very concerned about you, Papa. I was discussing it with a very, very dear friend of his and mine. He's a very old, very close, very, very wonderful friend. Uh, Albert Schweitzer. Uh, Al is a lot of laughs. I, I love to have him on the show. He's always ready with a quip, you know. I, I haven't seen the old son of a gun for a while. I think he's in Africa. You know, I told him, Al, baby, you're nuts. There's no money in Africa. But he went and we haven't heard from him since. What do you say, sweetheart? So Al is in Africa. Uh -huh. Oh, gee, well, I didn't know that. Oh. Uh, 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 <laughs> no, really, uh, Jack, you know, like, you know, what is there to say about Al Schweitzer? Uh, 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 <laughs> really, I, I think that he's such a, a really great guy. Uh -huh. and I mean, I personally have never dated him. Uh -huh. <laughs> but just... Okay, now that was really like a time capsule blast from a way back past. Oh, yeah. Lots and lots of names there. You know, I got to tell you, though, I really enjoyed that clip. I did, I too. Did. I did. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. It was very, you know, you think about when they did this back in 1960, all those names they mentioned were very um, well-known. I mean, he says right from the top, this is about name dropping. Yes. And yes. They, they do it. Absolutely. Gertrude Stein. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> was then... Uh, yeah, Gertrude Stein, Albert, Albert Schweitzer. Albert Schweitzer, you know. I mean, maybe a lot of people don't know who those people are, but Gertrude Stein was a poet. Mm -hmm. Who interacted a lot with Hemingway, which is the, the yes. joke there. Of, yes, the old man in the sea. And even yep. Sal Mineo. He was in that movie uh, with James Dean, I think, uh, Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, yeah. Uh, very well-known actor at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that uh, maybe uh, comedy fans don't realize, just how seriously Mike Nichols and Elaine May took their character development mm -hmm. in improvisation. They were both trained actors. Yeah, formerly trained method actors. Yes, the Stanislavski method, which is very famous. It's something Lee Strasberg, the famous acting coach. And uh, you can sort of see that within their characters. Um, you have to, even though they break occasionally here and there on the sketches, I mean, mm -hmm. you really have to sort of become that human to, to you know, create these sketches that are so mundane. Yeah. They're really about human, human lives. There's two games that are going on here at the same time, though. You've got the, you know, right from the start, Mike Nichols agrees that his character is just going to drop as many, many names as possible, and it's just going to get wilder and bigger, and, and, and you know, his connection to them is just going to get crazier yeah. as, as the skit goes along. And it, we didn't listen to the whole thing, but it actually ends with him saying, God's a great friend of mine, <laughs> and that's the end of it. So he just builds up from there. And then there's also... 
sort of a, a subtle game going on with Elaine where she's playing these sort of, you know, film starlet of the time. Yeah. And the way that they interacted on these shows. We're just coming out of the 50s where, you know, sort of starlets of the time were very giggly, bubbly. She agrees with everything he says. She's very, you know, just over-the-top likable throughout and this whole thing. I have to say, I doubt she knows who any of these people really are as the starlet. <laughs> as the starlet, right, <clears throat> She's right. She's just pretending that. Uh-huh. There was a, a venue called Town Hall. I think that's where they were seen by producers of the Jack Parr show. And Jack Parr was the host of The Tonight Show at that time, and they put them on The Tonight Show. That was their mm-hmm. big national television big debut. Big break, supposed to be, yeah. Yeah, and Jack Parr really didn't get it. <laughs> right, yeah, story goes, he actually... Try to hurry them up. Yeah, hurry up, kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they bombed, apparently, on the show. Yeah. People watched. It didn't seem all that thrilling or exciting as much as some of the comedy teams throwing pies in each other's faces and sure. slipping on banana peels, whatever they were doing. Mm-hmm. But they were lucky because they were picked up by the Steve Allen show. Yes, and that's where they actually had their real break. Yes, Steve they Allen. They actually did that skit, the disc jockey, on the Steve Allen show. Yeah, and he really appreciated it, and he gave them time. He gave them space to really milk it, to really do it. You know, with their facial expressions and timing and delivery, not hurried at all. And yes, that's really put them over the top. Huge success. And on to Broadway. Yeah, and on to this album. Yes. Grammy-winning album. Let's move on to our next clip here with Mike Nichols and Elaine May. It's called Mother and Son. Hello. Hello, Arthur. This is your mother. Do you remember me? <laughs> hi. Mom, hi. I, I, I was just going to call you. Is, is that a funny Arthur. thing? You know that I had my hand Arthur, on the phone to call... Arthur, you were supposed call. to call yeah. me last Friday. I, mother, darling, I just didn't have a second and you I could didn't cut have my a throat. Second. I was so busy. Arthur, I was, sat I, oh, by I that phone I know. I know. all day I know. Friday. It was just work, work, work. And, and all darling, day Friday night. I, I kept thinking, I got to call Mom. And all day Dear, Saturday. Oh, listen, believe me. And all day me, Sunday. I, and oh, your father said to me, Phyllis, eat something. You'll faint. I said, Ma- no, Harry, no. I don't want my mouth to be full when my son <laughs> called me. Mom. He never called. Mother, I was sending up Vanguard. I didn't have a second. Well, it's always something, isn't it? Okay, honey. You know, look, Arthur, no, I'm sure that all the other scientists there have mothers. You know? And I'm sure that they all find time after their breakfast or before their count off down to pick up a phone and call their mother. <laughs> Honey, listen, now you have and me on the phone. You know how I worry. Well, I do, that's the point. I that's read in the I... paper how you keep losing them. Mother! <laughs> I don't lose them. Well, I nearly went out of my mind. Okay, honey. I thought, what put... if they're taking it out of his pay? Write me a letter, right, is that it. so hard? Okay. I'm your mother. Right, mother, look, darling, please, I'll send honey, you to Mom, Stamps. dear, so please, don't, just tell letter. me how you That's are, so Mom. Hard. Tell me how you are. How are you? I'm sick. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to hear it. I really am. What's wrong? Nothing. You know what it is, honey. Yeah. It's the yeah. same thing it's always been. Yeah, sure, yeah. It's yeah. my nerves. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I went to the doctor, and yeah. uh, he told me yeah. right out. Yeah. He said, yeah. uh, listen, Mrs. White, yeah. Yeah. who yeah. are you fooling? Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. You yeah. are a yeah. very nervous, yeah. Yeah. very yeah. high-strung yeah. woman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, God knows that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you cannot stand yeah. the slightest aggravation. Well, yeah, sure, well, yeah. I said, doctor, yeah. I know that. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah, yeah. that, too. Yeah, of course. I said, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you see, doctor, 
I have this son. He is. You know, it's the truth. The boy is not lying. He is. He's very busy. You see, doctor, he's too busy to pick up a phone and call his mother. <laughs> Honey, listen, Mom, well, dear, Arthur, I want you to tell... Well, when I said Mom... that to him, that man turned pale. Right, dear, Mom... He Mom... said, Mrs. White, Mom... I have been a doctor for 35 years, right. and I've never heard of a son too busy to call his mother. Right, Mom, dear, That's listen... That's just I... what he said to me, Arthur. I know, honey, I want And wanna... that man is a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, any thoughts about that? Well, uh, I put you on a spot. See, that's we're improvising <laughs> that's right what improvisers now. You didn't do. expect that. No. You looked up at me like, hey. Oh, oh, oh no, wasn't opening. expecting that at all. <laughs> it's oh, a game. Wild of comedy. <laughs> this actually, their character is based off of uh, their actual experience with mothers. They talk about this in the Mike Nichols documentary that came out, I think, 2016, just right after he passed. Wait but, a minute, you studied for this? Oh, I did a little bit of homework. Jeez, I know. Okay, I'm the, learning. <laughs> but they, uh, it was based off their own, they both had sort of similar mothers, even though he was from Germany originally and she was American, they both had similar characters of mothers. And so they would call each other and be like, you're not going to believe what my mom said today. And she'd be like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Write it down. And it sort of ended up being this skit. Your father begged me to eat a sandwich, but I said no. It's, you know, she's the sort of commanding force of this of this sketch. And then it goes on. We don't have time to listen to the whole thing, but it does go on to him. You know, they set him up as being this like high powerful, you know, rocket scientist. And then by the end of it, he's just talking baby talk. Yes. So it's sort of establishes that, like, if you have that sort of over-caring mother, you all eventually feel like a child. That's right. No matter how old you are. breaks you right down. Yeah. I'm so sorry, (laughs) Mommy. Well, you know, they both went on to their own individual success. But, you know, when you mentioned it, Mike Nichols is the one that jumped out first. Yes, think, well, and as a director, the, she was the one to break it off. She said that she wanted to go off and do her own thing, and then just sort of, you know, didn't really find it quite right away. Whereas him, right out of the bat, he started directing a play that ended up being the classic hit. It's Barefoot in the Park. He directed Young Robert Redford. His first move after that was directing a film, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And then after that, he did The Graduate. So yes. he just was hit after hit. Yes. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing. A lot of our possibly younger listeners might think of him first as a director. Yes. He was an Oscar winner, wasn't he? Didn't he win an Academy oh, Award yes. for directing? Yes. yes, absolutely. I think for The Graduate. He might, but I might be wrong on that. But I, I, he's won several awards. Yes. And started out as a comedy team. We mentioned Neil Simon, mm-hmm. too. I mean, he's another one that comes out of that comedy background. He was a television writer. For comedy, for Sid Caesar and uh, some of the others, your show of shows, and it goes on. They're all connected somehow is what I'm trying to say. And Paul Sills and and Del Close, they both were – Paul Sills was for sure involved with the Compass Players, and they both went on to form Second City and the improv schools, and which then led to SNL and all sorts of films. So, yeah, they really are – all of these comedians at the time were all connected somehow, and all the filmmakers sort of branched out from there. And they collaborated one more time back in, I think, 95 or 96 was the time they interact. So that's – I mean – you know, look at that. Decades later, they collaborated on a film, which was The Birdcage. Oh, which, with Robin Williams. Yeah, Robin Williams, Nathan Lane, yes. uh, Gene Hackman, just wildly popular mm-hmm. film. And that that one, I mean, that comedy still holds up very well. And then after that, in 98, they did Primary Colors. So they, they came together a few other times. Well, they worked together on those films. And then they also did a few, you know, sketches for charity events yeah, and TV appearances. But, yeah, they didn't work too much after this album. It's very interesting collaboration that they found that success together as a team and then off Mm -hmm. as individuals and found their own success and still could come back. 
on friendly basis, professional basis, and yeah. have more success. You it's don't just, uh, see that very often with a comedy duo or any duo. I mean, you know, usually it's that's it. Yeah, you know, you you're know, done talking. Yeah, I've had that's it, with you. it. But they became you know close friends throughout the decades. She actually directed the PBS special um, American Masters about Mike Nichols. You know, a comedy team that's not really a household name anymore, but so important in the comedy business and improvisation yeah. and sketch writing and movies and just everything. Absolutely. I, we've listened to some clips today, but definitely audience members, you should go and take a listen to An Evening with Nichols and May, their complete album. It's, it's a lot of fun, and you can see the roots of it all throughout our comedy history. That's very good. All right, Kelly, now say goodbye. All right, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dave Schwenson. I'm Kelly Thulis. You've been listening to What's So Funny. Thank you very much. We'll catch you next time, and until then, keep laughing. You've been listening to What's So Funny. Catch us next week with co-host Tom McGallis as we take a listen to the one-hit wonder, Vaughn Meter. A special thanks to executive producers Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya, producer Sarah Wilgroup, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.